Hello and welcome to That Band Life, a podcast about making our careers as music educators more fulfilling so we can be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. I'm Jeff Young, a teacher from Carmel, Indiana, and my co-host is Bobby Lambert, director of bands at Wando High School in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. I mentioned in our first episode that That Band Life is not just about band directors, but about an entire ecosystem of people involving color guard and drumline and marching people and jazz people. And so with that in mind, Bobby's not with us this week. I get to sit down and talk with my good friend and coworker, Sam Watson, and we're going to talk about color guard. Hey, Sam. (laughs) Hi, Jeff. So can you tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, My name is Sam Watson, and I am a full-time color guard instructor here in the state of Indiana. So what uh, what got you started in all this? You, are you a dancer or did you just start in color guard? Um, my family was always involved in band. My older brother was in the marching band and I um, ended up in the band program um, playing my instrument uh, clarinet in yeah. the fifth grade. And second, Were you good? I, I wasn't too bad. Okay. Uh, quickly moved on to bassoon land. Um, but then uh, through all of my, my involvement with the band, through uh, elementary school, I then got into the color guard once I got into high school. As a freshman? Um, as a sophomore in the color guard, actually. Okay. Freshman year, I marched mellophone. So where was that? Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in New Philadelphia High School, or <laughs> grew up in New Philadelphia, Ohio, and I went to New Philadelphia High School in their marching band and winter guard programs. Cool. Was that a big school or a small school? Um, it was an uh, average size school yeah. for the area, yes. Yeah, well, you certainly work with some big programs now. So uh, what, what's your primary responsibilities? Who do you get to work with lately? Um, right now, I get to work with uh, the Carmel High School program. I work there year-round teaching the, the marching, marching band, the color guard there. And then um, I'm highly involved with the winter guard programs as well. That's awesome. And we also get to work together with the cadets, too. Can yeah. you tell us your role there? Um, I am the caption manager for the color guard at the cadets. You spend a lot of days on tour each summer then. Yeah, I spend uh, the bulk of spring training, which is from the middle of May to the middle of June with uh, the drum corps and the color guard there. And I also spend probably about five to six weeks on tour with the drum corps. That's a lot more than I do. (laughs) So Winter Guard's in full swing right now. I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, what what your role is with the Winter Guard and uh, how the season's going. Uh, the season's going really, really well. I'm proud of both of our groups, the World Guard and the A Guard. Um, my role with them is to continue implementing and expanding the training that we established in the fall. And since the beginning of the year, it's been a, a huge project for us to keep our training going for the group year round. And um, I attend every weekday evening rehearsal for the A and the World Guard and every morning class for the for the World Guard. How, how early do you guys start? <laughs> morning classes start at 6.50 a.m. Have you ever missed one? I have not missed a single class. Good for you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't have trouble getting up in the morning, but that is pretty early. It is a little early to get started with the color guard, but I find that those are our best rehearsals. Yeah. Speaking of rehearsals, Sam, um, I don't know about you, but when I'm teaching visual, I get kind of lost in in the rehearsals because I just love the process. I mean, what what's your favorite part? Or you, Do you like competition days most, or do you like the process I love the process. You know, um, I would much rather spend the bulk of my time uh, with the guard 
digging in and getting better at the show and making them better at what they do. And I, I, I don't mind the grind at all. Yeah. Show yeah. days are fun too, but. Oh yeah, of course it's fun to show that. off and to get yeah. the, get the kids to put themselves in that performance mindset um, and actually be out in front of people. I think that that's where they get the most reward. Yeah. I, I loved watching community night this year because we have, you know, we have a middle school guard and we have the a guard and the world guard and just, just the, to see them improve as they get, go through each of those groups. It's amazing. Yeah. It's really, really cool to see the evolution of kids who start, and, you know, they might be trying it out for the first time in middle school where it's like color guard club. And then they move their way up into the high school and and they make that step into the A guard or the step into the world guard. And to see them evolve, not only as performers, but as people is really, really rewarding and cool to see. One of the difficult things about being a marching and movement instructor is like we don't have like the kids don't march ever until I see them like on day one mm-hmm. freshman year. And so. I think it's really neat that, that the middle school kids, they can get together and, it, you know, it's not like it's hardcore, you know, pressure or whatever. They just get to learn to spin and dance. And I think that's such a leg up when they get to high school. It, yeah. I mean, they they're so exposed to our our daily routine and they know the simple things by the time they come to us at the high school. They know how to keep their feet in time and they know how to throw a very basic toss or they know that they they can do a couple of hand spins on rifle they they do certainly enjoy that part and it's it's makes it easier for them to come up into the high school when they already know this is how this goes and this is what we do at color guard so and that definitely gives them an advantage um over some people who just kind of wander in as freshmen what would you say to a band director, you know, as advice, if they said, well, this sounds like a really good idea. We should start like a younger program guard or a middle school thing should, you know, just start it as more like a club or like, is there, is there, you think a good way to, to start that sort of process? I think for any feeder guard, it's really important to make sure that the resources are there, that they have the people who are willing to teach that age group and willing to put in the time to do it. Um, as long as well as the other resources of having a place for them to to be and to have rehearsal, those those things are certainly important. But the investment is well worth it to have the feeder program. Yeah, that's really cool. It's like some people say, I could never teach middle school. <laughs> I'm kind of one of those people. You know? Yeah, it definitely takes a certain personality, especially yeah. um, for all the things that we ask kids to do with color guard and and for all of the 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 details and the things that you're trying to stress to them you know it takes a certain personality to get them to buy into it and to want to do it and to do it the right way on the other end of all that the world guard i mean you guys are coming up on state finals and what wgi finals there's not a whole lot left right yeah we have about uh three weeks left with the world guard team we have uh, a weekend in cincinnati for our last wgi regional then state championships and um then we're going to wrap it up with the w the wgi finals how you guys keep pushing to the end? I mean, this is the grind time. This is this is really you know the time of year where the kids know their show and maybe you've made the changes you're going to make, and they're just like getting better at the details. Yeah, I mean, it is the grind is daunting because we're putting in so many long rehearsals, and they are getting to the end of the season where they have put so much into it. Um, but you're right. It's ringing out every detail and ringing out every quality from them that makes it exciting for us as teachers. And it's exciting for them, too. I mean, they're 
they're getting to the point where they can certainly get through their show, but now it's time to perform it with all of the right qualities and all the right details. That's yeah. what's inspiring for them. Yeah, for sure. This mm-hmm. is this is where you separate like the really good from the good. From the good, yeah. yeah. And or at least that's the goal. That's yeah. where we're where we're aiming to be and what we're working towards right now. So we had a little bit of a bit of a, an explosion at Carmel High School this year that wrecked one of our gyms. You remember that? And, oh gosh. Uh, yeah. What did that do to your scheduling and all that? Um, we we lost our um, our normal facility for our morning rehearsals. We were in the upper gym, which was a full basketball gym, and now we're uh, rehearsing in the freshman cafeteria, which is enough room for us to at least open up the tarp, and there's enough ceiling space to to throw the tosses. But it definitely did put a shift in our season where we're used to waking up every day, going to the same gym and, and hacking it out in there. And now we're in the cafeteria, which at least gives us a little change of pace or a little change of environment, which is good. I think that it also made the kids kind of rally up and, and treat this year a little differently. So that's nice. I was at a church meeting across town and like I walked out and some of our color guard staff was standing there and oh. they were like, yeah, yeah, we rehearse pretty much everywhere around here right now. Yeah, there was a time coming back from um, our winter break. We were getting back into our rehearsal schedule and no, I mean, they were still cleaning up the school. None of the gyms were available because of other sports. You know, everyone's trying to relocate. And so the guard did end up at a couple of churches, both the A guard and the world guard. And it was great to have the community support. You know, people reached out to us, in fact, and said, we want to house the guard. We want to have these amazing kids in our space. So that was great. You really need a supportive band director to help with all that scheduling. And and even like, a you know, the athletic director. And I think about all the people that are involved in, you know, if you especially if more, more than one guard that there's just not that many gyms at right. the high school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, space fills up quick between all the clubs. And I mean, even with our all of our winter programs, that's four, four groups that need to have spaces. And, and yes, our, our band directors are so fantastic at, at supporting us in that way, trying to find us the best rehearsal facilities, the best places to be. And, and they take that off of our plate. They make that their responsibility, which is only, only to make us better and to make us focus on all the right things. And, uh, this year, it actually worked out that the A-Guard and the World Guard both get to be in the varsity gym, the main gym at, at the high school, for every evening rehearsal this year. That's amazing, especially yeah. considering the team is now in almost in state finals right now. They're playing really well in sectionals. So Yeah, the basketball team is doing great. It's not like they're done yeah, for the season. Nope. Everyone's still grinding. They're in the gym and all the way up until our rehearsals begin, and then we take it over from there. Wow. Do you guys have to put it, put down anything special on the court to protect it besides yeah. the tarp? Yeah, we have, um, well, we have a, a wood floor here at the varsity gym. Um, and of course we want to keep it nice. I think it's kind of newer, I, I think. Um, and we do have uh, protective mats. They're um, three foot by five foot carpet squares that we, we lay down. You know, the girls come early to every rehearsal to set them Is up. Is that like a tarp crew kind of thing? Uh, uh, they take rot- they take rotations, okay. uh, picking or pick, picking up the tarp and bringing it to rehearsal. But everyone helps put the the mats down okay. before we throw the tarp on on top because we don't want to damage the floor, of course. I'm thinking about you know I don't have a lot of years of experience with drum corps. I think this is my fourth year actually teaching a drum corps. And and the first year I was on tour for the week in the summer, I saw all the little jobs, and you start picking out. Oh, that's the rookie job. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like right. there's 
Everybody kind of splits up the work, but you know that one stinks. That one's at the low end of the totem pole. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know what job that is, but... Oh, food truck is a punishment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's got to be the worst one. Yeah. Can't catch your tosses. You're working the food truck tonight. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that kind of reminds me of uh, last summer, the, the, the rifle line, the cadets, they were always what, throwing sixes at breakfast. Oh, what yeah. was that? Uh, yes. Um, that was something that we started two years ago. Um where we were just trying to get the weapons not only to catch, but to be excited to catch and to put a little bit of pressure on them. So uh, we test them every morning. They wake up and a half hour into breakfast, they meet and throw cold sixes, which is you just pick up your equipment, you throw the toss, and the first one that you get is the one that you get. And we, we test them. Can you do it mm-hmm. with perfect technique? Can you throw perfect height and rotation and have a great catch? And if you can do it first thing in the morning, with all the crusties in your eyes before mm-hmm. you even got your bowl of cereal, then you're going to do it that night at the show. That's amazing. Yeah. I, when I saw that, I was like, whoa, it's kind of early, but all <laughs> but right. they're out there doing it. Yeah. yeah. So I know that Rosie Miller queen, uh, you know, she's the guard caption head at Carmel and, and just a legend in this activity. And she's amazing. I know she does most of this stuff for Carmel. Um, but I'd love it if you could talk about some of the administrative tasks that you do, especially with the cadets being the caption manager. You know, I think about like just recruiting, you know, how do you get the girls like where or the boys, you know, where, where do you, where how do you, do you even begin start? With that? Yeah. yeah. Cause in, in band, they've kind of gone through middle school band and you're like, you are a trumpet player or you right. aren't, you know? Right. But you have all this competition with ballet schools and, and that sort of thing. I'm just curious, how, how do you recruit? Uh, I, I think a, a big part of it is just um, having the positive exposure for your group, you know, putting yourself out there, having the community performances at halftime, you know, that's when a lot of people get to see the color guard is is any time that they perform, not or um, getting to see see them at, at basketball games or getting to see them at a dance concert or perform with the marching band. Any time that you can get the group out there, or get the exposure, any sort of positive exposure is good. Uh, social media is huge. People love sharing their their twirling videos on Facebook and Instagram, and, and that goes a long way. I mean, you throw the hashtag color guard on it, and everyone's going to see it. For sure. Speaking of twirling, do you get many twirlers like baton twirlers? <laughs> Every once in a while, one one or two will sneak in and, and they have a, a really diverse skill set mm-hmm. as opposed to some of the people who have only ever done just color guard or just dance. They have cool tips and tricks up their sleeves. I remember, I think it was Addie a few years ago. Yeah, Addie Bebo. She was, whoo, she was good. She's world renowned. Yeah. She's fantastic. We were so lucky to get her. Yes. Yeah. And what we've also gotten just these pro dance girls who like they don't they don't need to spin a flag or a rifle because you're like you're watching them and you're like can you just do that right can you just look look and be a fabulous dancer we have we've had a couple of of those kind of trickle into uh emily paul was a fantastic dancer Mm who um came to the high school from uh she transferred from a, a fine arts school where she had danced and only done dance before and she kind of found out about the color guard through a couple of her classmates and she ended up being one of our featured dancers for two years and a great leader in the guard and a, a really positive personality. So it's it's uh, it's awesome that our kids were able to reach out with her on a social level and then to also attract her by showing her all of the cool stuff that we do. 
for know? sure. We were, were very fortunate to have her for those years. Absolutely. Yeah. So along the same lines with this recruiting, like, it, do you guys put up flyers at, at dance studios or just at the middle schools or like what? What's that like? You think? Um, for the for the high school, when we recruit, we do have flyers. There's even a perennial YouTube video that we put mm-hmm. up of um, that year's color guard and all of the work that they kind of put in. And you see a little bit of their time at rehearsal and also their great performances. Um, and we also send the, um, the members of the guard to the middle schools to do a little bit of twirling and recruiting one-on-one with um, kids who are at, at lunchtime at the middle school or, or after school with the middle school programs, which is really cool that they get the hands-on or the one-on-one uh, exposure to it. Mm-hmm. Now with the cadets being a perennial top 12 finalist, I, I assume that there doesn't need to be a whole lot of like flyers out. I mean, people know the cadets guard and they're so awesome. Do you, do you find that you get plenty of, of boys and girls trying out for that? Yeah. For the cadets guard. I mean, that, that's a, uh, decades decades worth of legacy there and people know the name either through people who have come through the guard or or even just going to dci you see them every year um and you'd be surprised sometimes we have good turnout sometimes we have bad turnout but it's always we always attract the same type of kid the hard-working members who want to have a grind it out yeah grind and have a fulfilling experience with the team uh, or with a group that has the history and a group that has the passion for the activity. You know, I, you know, I heard rumors back in the day about how hard it was to be in the cadets and they, they, you know, they rehearse all day and they don't sleep and they don't feed them. And and then I got in there and I was like, that is not what's going on here. What's going on here is great teaching and, and hard working students. I, I just found that, that it was so, in line with my teaching philosophy that I, I was very fortunate to come in. Yeah. I mean, there, there are certainly the dark days of, of, I think the drum corps activity where mm-hmm. every, no one got food and no one got sleep. Um, but the cadets were known for their innovation. And, and part of that was working so hard and working so eff- like day after day, putting the effort and the time in to be ground setting or groundbreaking and to set the new standards. Um, and these days we, we still strive for those things, but we also like to think smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when it comes to the color guard budgeting and stuff, um, do you have to do much with that? I, I have to definitely manage it and oversee, make sure that, uh, things are allocated for the, and any of our need needs or, or wants that we need at the time to make sure that everything gets covered. I feel like there needs to be just a really open conversation between the guard instructor and the band director and the, the, you know, the band boosters and whatnot, and just be like, Hey, you know, do you want us to be like this kind of guard or that kind of guard? And maybe like set out a plan for the next few years, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. There, there needs to be that open conversation of where do we see the group? Where do we want to take them? And then the next question is how do we get them there? And part of that conversation is what are the resources needed to do this and to do it the right way? So the more that the the goals are similar and the more that that conversation is transparent, the easier it is to have the expectation to meet the expectation and then hopefully have have the results that you want. You know, I, I was talking with a band director in Colorado and and he was like, 
there aren't enough good guard instructors out here. Like the good ones get gobbled up by these good programs right away. And so some of those, some of the kind of middle of the road bands are, are left going like we need people here, you know, and, and even here in the Indianapolis area, you know, I, it's really hard to find both reliable, you know, they show up on time and they are good you know, educators, good educators, yeah. they're, they're educators. professional. Yeah and creative and talented in, in teaching all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 we're really blessed to have you and, and Rosie and the whole staff. It's just, um, it's awesome. And, and the number of years that people have been together, I think that's another thing. Um, I see a lot of turnover. Yeah. And in color guard land, it, it's very common to have quick turnover. You know, people are, are passing through and they only want to teach a group for one or two years, or, you know, maybe their life shifts and takes them in another direction. So it is hard to have the the longevity there, which I'm so thankful for with all of my programs. Um, mm-hmm. I also think that it's it's super important that those expectations are that a particular band director has for the color guard person is is upfront that they that they share that with them right away. And most times, if that's communicated, I think that most people will stick to it. Do you feel like, um, I, I write some drill every year and I feel like sometimes a band program will not have success and it's easy just to fire all the designers. Does that happen with color guard where maybe it's just an off year with performers, but like, let's just clean house and start over. I I think that that's a, a knee jerk reaction that, that a lot of programs have. Um, and sometimes it's, it's valid and it's warranted and sometimes it is a knee jerk reaction or it's, it's you know, emphasis is placed in the wrong place and people are looking for the competitive success or looking for a certain result. Um, and when that result isn't met, you know, that, that causes turnover and it causes change. You definitely don't want to sanction incompetence or unethical behavior, but <laughs> you certainly have to have some patience, you know, when you hire a staff or whatever, mm-hmm. you, I feel like band directors should have some patience in, in developing that staff too, because as the staff gets better, the students get better. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of investment. You have to be invested in your staff, regardless of what section or who they teach or how much they teach. And as long as there's that investment and the open communication, I think that that leads to great relationships of, you know, in front of the kids, behind the scenes, wherever it is, it's, that's, that's really where a lot of the work and the magic happens. Um, so color guard costuming is interesting to me. Just, <laughs> just change subjects a little bit. Um, it's interesting because, you know, most marching bands have the same uniform every year. Mm-hmm. You go watch concert band, they're wearing a tux every year. Yeah. A tux and a black dress. Yeah. <laughs> and you go to, to winter guard shows and it's like, brand new costume every year mm-hmm. what's that like the process of you know the artistry behind that or the artistic drawings and all that and I, I i i love that process i have a soft spot for that um my mother was a seamstress oh, so cool. you know I, I grew up around fashion and 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 fabrics and material and, and all sequins the whole nine yards yeah and um that part of it i think was part of my draw to color guard but that process of picking a costume is so important because it sets the tone right from the second the group takes the field or takes the floor you you know you should know who they are what they're bringing to to the table just by what they're wearing and you also you know a great group from 
a not so great group just by how they look. Mm-hmm. Rule number one is always look good. Always look good. So yeah, you know, if, if the costume isn't fit right or if it isn't flattering to a performer, it makes the performer feel a certain way. It makes an audience member feel a certain way. So every detail that you can put into that process of of creating a look and creating a a, a style for them that is flattering and empowering, I think that there's a lot behind a costume. I also love the process, the costuming thing. I, I got I had the pleasure of working with Cesario and and Mark Miller and Marlene on the Carmel uniform in two thousand five. And like just the whole process and the sketches and like I remember I got the sketch from Michael Cesario in the mail and I was just like I, I don't know, it was like Christmas morning. <laughs> it is like it Christmas was morning. So cool. There's some magic in those yeah. drawings. And you know, we've we've been wearing that uniform for quite a while and, and this the students still call it their Superman suit. Yeah, like they so love sharp. the Superman suit. This podcast is coming to you ad-free, by the way. One way you can support us is by visiting our website, dynamicmarching.com, and purchasing products through our store at some of the most discounted prices on the web, on things like shoes, rifles, and even mega boxes. You'll definitely also want to check out our online courses and videos as well. These have helped thousands of band directors with pedagogy and music and marching fundamentals. So uh, another thing I wanted to talk to you about, um, so you've got marching band, which usually goes straight into winter guard, you know, but then there's like for April and May, there's kind of maybe a downtime. You, you, you would think. Yeah. You would think okay, that there's that's a what I was wondering. There. What do you guys do during that? <laughs> um, for the Carmels, we spend the, the rest of April and the entire month of May continuing to train the members who are already in our guard. Um, you know, we, we make the transition um, to maybe a new role, especially weapons. We want to get our weapon line started as soon as possible. As soon as the winter guard is over, we're moving those potential members to weapon or continuing the, the, their training in that department, challenging the flags with more more um, advanced so combinations. you mean like some of the some of the members who maybe didn't spin weapons yes. during the show and then you're like yeah. okay i see some some potential something in you, in you. Yeah. yeah right or if um if we have a, a great freshman or someone who's really passionate about the guard you know why not give them the extra challenge or start to give them the information of this is how you spin a weapon or this is the next step in, in what you need to be doing to continue um, we also spend april and may doing our color guard additions where we see all of those those folks that we were hopefully getting in in our recruiting process is that over a few weeks time or? we do uh, a two night audition uh it's a tuesday and a thursday night from six to eight thirty you guys sit around like american idol with headshots oh and- gosh no 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 no, no. Okay. At, at that point we're we're pretty much running rehearsal as we normally run it yeah. um as far as our scheduling and our, our time like that there's no big panel where we put yeah. three X's up or anything. You don't put half of them in one room and half in the other and, and then make them wait to see which oh, group they're no, in. No, no. If anything, <laughs> we'll split them up and be like, okay, here are the beginner flags and yeah. here are the, the returning flags. Let's get everybody what they need. That's fun. So, uh, you know, a lot of people start with dance and flag, mm-hmm. like you were saying, how do you know when your group's ready for rifle? I mean, some, like, I mean, the entire band program, you might have never spun weapon or it's been a while and it's been some turnover or whatever. Like, how do you know when to teach rifle or when to even add saber? I, you right. know, I, the reason I ask this is because sometimes I'll judge a show and 
they will pick up a saber and dance with it and it'll never leave their hands. <laughs> and and then they put it down and I go, did they really do saber? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I, I don't know. Is yeah. that part of the development process? You think maybe I, that group's not there on yet? their way? Yeah. yeah. I, I would assume if you see something like that, um, spinning weapon is so cool and certainly is a very, very popular thing with great color guards now is that you have to have huge, awesome weapon lines doing amazing tricks, or at least mm-hmm. that's what I think everyone's working towards. Um, but there's definitely some pro- like there's some some questions that a group should ask. Um, is there, you know, is it appropriate? Should we even, does the show call for it? You know, oh, right. let's start with that, you know, yeah. or, or is our band program ready for that? Is that something we want to take the time to commit for the training and the instruction, is it something that the members are excited about that they even want to spin weapon? Most of them do. Yeah, they, I would, they, they, yeah, or would want yeah. to. I think. Or <laughs> um, right. um, the other question there is, you know, is there queer potential to be successful doing it? I think that every band and color guard program wants to be successful, and taking the risk is certainly worth it. Um, but I, I think you have to ask yourself. Honestly, is that a risk that we want to invest in or is that just something that we think we should have and and need to do a little bit more research on? Like you learned this really cool rifle trick when you were marching and you you wanted to put it into a show for your girls, but they're not ready or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, just because don't make it about you. Yeah. Just because your instructional staff is is banging or fantastic doesn't mean that, that their guard is ready for it. I hope that they're taking the steps to get there, though. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, coming back to that judging example or whatever, you know, as a judge, you're not going to be like hard on that. It's not like you're going to take off points or whatever, but I definitely, I usually say something on the tape, you know, is this, is this a a color guard that's developing or is the choreography not up to the level where it should be? Like, are we, are we not ready for a challenge or are we ready for a challenge? It's just not well-written, not well-written or well-received. Yeah. I mean, I think that at any stage of the guard's training or any state in their development, um, that you can write appropriately, that you can give them enough in their program or their choreography that they can succeed and continue ex- expanding their, their skills. More often than not, I, I see groups who, who go out and they are asking too much mm-hmm. of their performers and their performers look like they're struggling or not not being successful in their performance situation. And so that, that I think is what everyone's trying to avoid or should try to avoid in their process is giving them too much. Are you a cleaner and a choreographer or just a cleaner or what, like what do you like to write choreography? I, I do enjoy writing choreography. Um, for the I, I don't, you don't No, I no. love cleaning it yeah. and I'll teach the basics of dance all day long, but like, if you asked me to choreograph something, I'd be like, nah, there's better people for that. Better people for that. I I, I, I enjoy both parts of it. I, my main hat that I wear all day, every day is clean the color guard, mm-hmm. make sure that the guard looks great. Um, and especially the rifles at cadets, right? Yeah, the, the rifles and sabers. Yeah. They're my they're my pet, pet projects. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there are opportunities where I have written and I've really enjoyed it. And, and if you're writing it and, and you're teaching it to the students that are in front of you, you can tell pretty much right away if you've overwritten it, right? Yeah. You, Even I mean, if they're not good at it yet. Yeah. There are certain things where when you're choreographing a, a part or a piece and you you have the vision in your head and then you show it to them or you, you teach it to them. And then by the 
first time you turn around, you can see how they're wearing it. You know, do they do they look comfortable doing it? Are, are there too many details? Is it a little over their heads? Is it a little too fast, too slow? I mean, there's that that editing part of the writing process that you have to always be aware of when you're teaching color guards, especially uh, younger ones or a guard that's trying to develop or grow. I feel like you and I could do an entire podcast on this, so I won't ask you this question, but we probably should sit down sometime and talk about musicality and choreography. It's so important. Because you and I will stand on top of the tower at Cadets and, you know, like that's not very, that doesn't match the music there. They Mm -hmm. changed the, the, the tempos or they changed the dynamics and they didn't tell the color guard staff. And then (laughs) you're like, well, that doesn't work anymore. Right. Yeah. So now that's our time to edit that. Um, I, I think that musicality is so important. I mean, I I mentioned before that I started my color guard adventure through band, through music. So I I was a a musician before any of this came into my life. And I think that that's the most important part of color guard is reflecting the music or presenting what we hear audibly, visually. So you band directors who are afraid to talk directly to your color guard instructors about choreography, I do think it's well within your abilities to talk about musicality. I mean, you a band director Certainly. can look at the guard and go, that isn't what the music is saying right mm-hmm. there. I, I would really challenge band directors out there to just, you know, say something. Have the conversation. Yeah. yeah. Let's watch this together and listen right. to the music. and Or yeah. help your color guard folks. I mean, if... if yeah, marking the, up right. what is the score, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, you as a band director may look at a score, you may see your, your marching band program and know, okay, well, that's this This is focusing on the baritones. This is a baritone feature. But then you, you look up and the color guard is doing nothing to focus on that. And maybe mm-hmm. they didn't know. Maybe that's something that, that was slipped through the cracks or maybe that's not even on their radar. But if that's something that you can address, that's only going to bring cohesion to your product. Yeah, for sure. So a couple more questions, Sam. Uh, bonding is, I feel like the color guard does all sorts mm-hmm. of fun bonding activities that maybe the the band students, maybe they go to, you know, China buffet together <laughs> or you, or they go to like steak and go, shake on Fridays. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I, I feel like, like there's some days where they, they're all in costumes, you know, or what, like what are some oh, of your favorite um, bonding things? Yeah. Well, of the color guards that I teach and have been a part of, that's been a huge part of the experience is, is getting so close with the other members of the color guard. And, and we rely on each other a lot in our, our programs and our, our day-to-day lives, you know, partnering things or even just trying to get, get something clean. You know, all eight rifles have to be in sync and on the same page. And I think that there's a, a bonding process to that. But on top of that, if you can, sprinkle in a good old section hype day or a, a theme day for your rehearsal. It just kind of breaks up the monotony of, of what you're doing, which is cool. For sure. Yeah. I was like the crazy hair day too. <laughs> Would you be my friend? I yeah. think is my favorite. They come so ridiculous to yeah. rehearsal. That's awesome. Did you say there was a specific example of like your favorite bonding activity? And then, yeah, you have the bonding <laughs> activities that really, you know, that go beyond just the rehearsal day to day bonding of the group. And, um, when I was marching Pride uh, in 2013, our show was Way to the World, and it was such a special show to all of us. And um, we were headed into the WGI weekend, the biggest you know finale of the, of the year. And um, we had just finished our WGI week rehearsals, which are so long and grueling. It's like nine to nines for Winter Guard. I bet. Um, and after our week of 
preparation. The guard was all together and we were hanging out at um, a member's house uh, at a bonfire. So we were mm-hmm. having a good time and, and everyone was there and it was great to share the experience with each other. But while we were sitting around the bonfire, we started talking about the week and um, people had, or the weekend that was coming up. And people were starting to get a little nervous, like, oh, what if I drop this? And what if we do that? Or, you know, what if this doesn't go the way that we we had planned or we had hoped? And as a group, we kind of sat there and and someone eventually piped up and said, that, that's not how we're going to do this. So we went around and each person wrote whatever their fear or their reservation was on a piece of paper. And we some shared, some didn't, but we all took the time to kind of write whatever was weighing on us wrote it down on a piece of paper and we threw it into the fire and we said, we're not going to mess with fear and doubt at this point. Like we're too good. We're too strong to to let that get the best of us or to not, not do what we, what, what we were trained to do. And so it was just such like an awesome relief to not have that on our plate anymore. I can see why that was a powerful experience. That's a really neat idea. Yeah. And it was just on a whim. Somebody just, right. We were on, do this. Yeah. It was in the moment and it was very, what we needed at the time. And we rocked it that weekend. We were so good. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. So, uh, color guard girls may be thinking about cadets or other drum corps. Do you have any advice for, you know, what, what a color or, or advice that a band director, because they may come to their band director and say, right. Like I'm super interested. Yeah. Yeah, Which, which drum corps should I go to? Yeah. Um, for anyone who's auditioning for a drum corps, I think it's so important to do your do your homework, check up on the team. What what have they done over the years, and and what is their identity? Each drum corps is a little different, um, and each drum corps color guard is certainly different than the next. Yeah. I mean, we're all doing the same things, and we're all great, um, but it's it's each group has a different personality, and I think finding your your personality or finding your 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 ideal fit is one of the most important things to just find the group that has the right vibe, the right mentality, talk to the vets, talk to the members who have done it before. That's probably your, your first firsthand resource of what kind of experience am I about to have? And then from there, it's probably just get on the website, figure out when tryouts are and how, you know, yeah, the rest right. is pretty, you know, clinical, I guess. But yeah, I like your idea of, of doing the research by, you know, talking to people. I think mm-hmm. it's, you got to talk to people. Yes. People who've been involved with it, people, you know, uh, they'll, they'll be able to tell you what it's really like to be there. Mm-hmm. Like, did you yeah. eat peanut butter and jelly all <laughs> summer or did you eat meals? Right. You did know? you have real food or is, you know, it's kind of like the, the stigma with the cadets sometimes when p- kids are like, I don't want to work that hard. And then you, you, you realize that every drum corps is working that hard. Yeah. So I uh, talking what you to signed people, up for, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's what you signed up for. Yeah. Um, communicating with those people, I think is again, the most valuable. So color guard is not just about spinning and it's not just about catching and dancing. What are some of the the life skills that, that you want your students to leave color guard? Like, I'm so glad I did color guard in high school because I now know dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is that, well, with both groups, I, I mean, we go day in and day out. We work tirelessly every day. And the, the biggest thing that, I would love for them to walk away with is that life is about doing the right thing day in and day out, setting your goals, putting the work in, being prepared and having a positive disposition. I I think that that's the key to being successful in anything. If you can look at it in a great light and then also know that you have prepared yourself to, 
to do all the things that you're expected to do, then your life is easy. Your yeah. life is simple. It doesn't have to be drama or, or doom and gloom. If, if you go at it with the right spirit and if you go at it prepared, you're going to be great at anything, you know, family, friends, kids, whatever it is, you, you will be, pre- if you're prepared, you're going to be good. Well, that's something I notice about you when I get to work with you is your spirit and your, your, you know, when I come to rehearsal, I rarely see you ho-hum and, <laughs> and that I think comes through in your students too. And I, I'm sure they would say the same thing is that you have a spirit and you teach with spirit and you do the right thing and you work hard over and over and over again. I and certainly I, try. Yeah. <laughs> I try. But, you know, if you think about the whole season is too, da- it's too much. Right. I really like what you just said about doing the right thing and working hard day by day now. Yeah. In the moment. Yeah. In the moment. Am I doing the right thing? Keep doing that. Yeah. Keep doing it one after the other. Well, Sam, I, I guess I want to ask you one more question, which I really didn't prepare you for or anything, but uh, it really has to do with the life of a full-time color guard instructor. You know, (laughs) you, you've chosen, you know, probably you say, somebody says, what do you do? And you're like, do I really want to get into this? Yeah. I mean, that's you know, like, do I really want to explain to what this is? But, <laughs> you know, I, I think we all just want to know, like, uh, when, you know, what, what's that like? And when do you feel supported by the programs you work with? And, 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 and is it a, a career that, that, that you love? Yeah. I, I definitely loved performing and I moved my whole life to do this. I mean, I moved from Ohio to Indiana to do this, to teach band and color guard and, I think that, yeah, sometimes socially when people ask, hey, you know, what do you do? And and I have to kind of tread my answer carefully because it is a can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it is so worth it to, to do this day in and day out because I feel not only a part of the program success, but I think of the kids' success and being a part of them becoming great people and being involved with this is how good people act and this is how good people live their lives and this is you know what an honest person does and this is what what you should be striving to do more than just what the checkpoints are um and the the grind of the day-to-day and and the the non-stop part of doing color guard i mean i i don't really get a paid vacation ever right um it's, it's always go 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 every day of the year every week of the year and that that time sometimes gets grueling but the relationships that i have not only with the the students but the staff and the directors and the the parents I, I don't think that there's a single band director or or music person that I work with that isn't supportive of me and I think that that's because I have a good relationship with them and I, that makes it worth it to me it's almost like a second family or a second home or the the cheering squad of of the the families that who are invested with it just as much as we are. Um, you know, they're not just in the stands at competitions. They're the ones making the flags and tailoring the costumes and making sure that the guard has food and, and that the guard is taken care of. Having those people to back up and support what the color guard staff is doing or what, what I'm doing as a teacher, just having that support makes it not really a job. It makes it fun. It makes it an activity that I can get into with a lot of passion and a lot of um, excitement that I get to wake up every day and not just have to sit at a desk right? or, you know, and, 
and grind out the nine to five with a normal person. You know, certainly I have to put the work in, but it's also about I wake up and I, I get to go do band and I get to do band all of the time. But that's my job. So you can relate to why we called this that band life. That, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. you know, it's not just a job. It, no. it, 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 it's a big part of your life if you're doing it the right way. Yeah. Certainly. And I'm glad I get to work with you all the time, oh, Sam, yeah. and really appreciate you sitting down with me today. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. And of course, I enjoy every moment with you. Before we wrap this up, Bobby and I have a few things we would like for you to do as usual. Number one, listen to each new episode and subscribe on your favorite podcasting host. Number two, follow and comment That Band Life social media pages on Facebook. You can search for That Band Life podcast. On Instagram, we are at That Band Life one. And if I use Twitter, it's usually under Dynamic Marching. You can also email us at jeff at dynamicmarching.com and bobby at dynamicmarching.com. Share your wins and losses, and together we can learn to be better music educators. Also, share your questions or suggestions for topics and guests that you would like to hear on future podcasts. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Jeff Young. And I'm Bobby Lambert. And this is That Band Life.